0: I received a phone call from the guy I sent a letter to here out of Harrington and said, hey, are you guys still interested? And I said, certainly I am, but we just found out that Katie was pregnant with our first kid. And I had a, you know, a relatively uh, safe job, paycheck every month. And boy, this is a big risk.
1: This is the Real Food, Real People podcast.
2: Despite the huge risk... Josh and Katie Stewart decided to go for it and pursue their dream of becoming first-generation wheat farmers in eastern Washington near Harrington. We sat down with them recently to hear their story and find out just all of the challenges that face people growing food and, in this case, growing wheat here in Washington State. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Thank you for being here and continuing with me on this journey to get to know the real people behind our food. So how did you guys get into this, growing wheat, which is your your primary thing, right? Yes, yep. Um, Really,
0: uh, the passion... For farming start as a little kid my dad worked for a farmer north of Odessa and so as a little kid you got all those memories going out riding on the tractor and combines and getting to do all the operations and what little boy doesn't enjoy enjoy all that so you know it started off that way and I continued working through junior high and high school and got to do get more responsibilities do more out there and Um, Newton enjoyed it enjoyed all the different aspects of farming Um, unfortunately kind of understood that if you weren't born into it or couldn't marry into it the probability of getting to do it was probably slim Um, so uh, and then you know growing up understanding that it's just the way life was so knew I wanted to do something in agriculture if I couldn't farm Um, but but that that's where the passion for doing it and wanting to do it started. So how far back in in your family does some of that stuff go? Uh, Honestly, my parents came from Reno, zero Zero history, uh, wheat farming, mm-hmm. zero zero farming history, uh, at least a couple generations back. Um, so dad came up here as a mechanic, automotive mechanic, and mm-hmm. uh, learned how to work on diesel machinery and started that way and, and yeah. then got hired out at this farm. Worked there for 27 years. So,
2: so it was just working on the farm. Yeah. Was he just a mechanic on the farm or was he kind of doing everything?
0: A little bit of everything. Yeah. Le- learned as he went too and, and was hired mostly on for mechanical skills and then, and then as he learned... I believe he took on more responsibilities to to the before he was done there. He was uh, managing managing the farm, I guess you could say.
2: So he never ran his own farm. No, but but you just going out and being with him, you caught the bug. That's where it
0: started. Yep, yep. And in these small towns, that's what most people did. If somebody you had a
2: connection to the farm, so yeah, exactly. But still, like you said, you, you can't just decide. Oh, I'm going to start yep. a farm. It's not that easy, right? Right, right. Yep. Explain the but, challenges to to doing. That. Oh, you know, the, the first thing
0: would just be the opportunity to have to get some ground. If if you weren't born into it, um, and, and the first challenge that comes with that would be. The purchase price of land, and and as most of us know, those those aren't slowing down at all. They're getting further and further out of reach. Um, yeah. If you can't purchase it, then you have the option to lease the land, and and that's the most uh, reasonable for us. And but you got to find somebody that's willing to give a guy that has no equipment, um, not a whole lot of money to their name, no, no, you know, no deep pockets, yeah. um, uh, the chance. And and I totally understand from a landlord's perspective that's that's a risky risky chance to give somebody. Yeah. Uh, when when there's plenty of good farmers with with the financial backing to do the job that needs to get done on their land so leasing was the, the you know the option we thought was the most viable one for us to begin yeah. with and and so this farm that dad was working at I, I spoke to the owner and the plan was to go to college and when I got back out we would be able to be able to lease it or yeah. with, with and my freshman year down at Washington State University, got the call from my dad, said, hey, they leased it to three other farmers. And, oh, boy, you know, because that, that's why I was going to school. I was going to farm, and that yeah. was the, the goal at the end of four years. Um, so I think my sophomore year, um, I wrote a farmer that my family knew out here in the Harrington area. And just put it all out there. And said, "Hey, this is something I have really wanted to do. Um, it's my understanding your children are off doing other things and aren't coming back to the farm. And and uh, you know, if if an opportunity arises, we'd sure sure like a chance. Well, at that time, wheat prices were going sky high, and basically mm-hmm. got a letter back. Thank you, you know, but we're we're doing good. Uh, retirement's yeah. probably not in the f- real near future anyway." Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Am I missing missing
0: anything else there?
2: Yeah, Katie, when did you when did you get involved in this in story? This picture yeah.
1: Here? Um, well, let's see. We met when we were in middle school, just being small towns that are close to each other. Yeah. We uh, we saw each other occasionally yeah. and So
2: what town did you grow up
1: in? I grew up in Harrington. Okay. Yeah. Um, my family farms about 10 miles south okay. of the town of Harrington, um generational farm out there, um but my parents taught in the school Mm. and they didn't farm, but I helped harvest that sort of thing, my uncle. Um, And so, yeah, we we knew each other throughout high school. Um, We started dating when we went to college. And, um, so yeah, I was there through all this, this, uh, decision-making and.
2: So you've been around the farming world, having grown up in that. Yes. So you already knew kind of what was ahead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not, not everything, but yes, I, I had a little bit of an idea
2: yeah. yeah. So what were you telling him to do with all of this?
1: Um, I knew he loved it, and yeah. so I was 100% behind it. Like, yes, you need you need to pursue this. And um, when we decided to get married, I knew that that was a lifestyle that I wanted for myself and I would yeah. like for my future children to have. It's just I felt a great way to grow up. So, yeah, I was 100% like, yes, let's send off that letter. I will call my mom for his address. I think she <laughs> has it, yeah. and we will. We'll send it off, and it's exciting.
2: But then the twists and turns, huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so the first answer is basically no again, and and uh, so finished at school and went went and worked for a KSH dealership selling machinery, mm-hmm. and uh, it, again, it kind of uh, kind of understood that's probably the future in agriculture for us, not not having it, and yeah, that, that was the closest I was going to get to it. Um, and that was that was great. It was a lot of fun, but still wanted a farm um, and what, four years into selling equipment, maybe I received a phone call from the guy I sent a letter to here out of Harrington and, and said, Hey, are you guys still interested? And uh, said, certainly I am. But we just found out that Katie was pregnant with our first kid and I had a, you know, a relatively uh, safe job right. paycheck every month. And and we were doing well and comfortable or, you know, as comfortable as, what, twenty couple early 20-year-olds could be. Yeah. And, uh, oh, boy, that, this is a big risk. Yeah. Um, at this point. And uh – but it, it didn't take very long. We we answered yes. Let's let's sit down and talk. And he, and he mentioned that he goes, you know, we we've got some ideas to maybe help you guys get started. And so, what changed with them? a, a just age thing. I think they yeah. came around, you know, and and uh, and they they felt it was time to time to retire. And, and they mentioned there's uh, you know there's options, but they would like to see a new young family return to the town that, that yeah. they've grown up in, and and uh, and kind of kind of shared the same the same
2: dream we had. Yeah. so, um, yeah. And if there's not family that's wanting to carry that on, then what happens to a farm like that? Yes. You know, farms like that go away if there aren't people like you. Yep.
0: Yep. Right. Yep. And so he, uh, they sat down and, you know, we went over all the equipment he owned. The the funny story is I'm selling case IH equipment and he
2: owns all John Deere equipment
0: (laughs) and, uh, So all the, the the
2: long, long time rivalry, (laughs) rivalry between red tractors and green tractors. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So that
0: got a little kick out of that, but uh, yeah, I mean, they, they they're very helpful in getting us started. Um, uh, Like you said, he had all the equipment necessary. So the, we, we bought that from him um, on an agreement with them over a couple of years, bought the equipment that got us, you know, back to the
2: financial burden Um, that got us started that way. And that's that's impressive that they were willing to take that on themselves and help you. I mean, because really they were carrying some of the risk then themselves as well as you guys. Absolutely, yep. They uh, we we
0: were very fortunate. I I mean just. From asking around, trying to figure out how we're going to get into farming. You know, they're few and far people like uh, Jim and Sue Ells is the mm-hmm. name of it. And they yeah. We were very fortunate to, to have somebody, uh, again, a huge risk. You, you think think how much money they have invested on their end of the deal to yeah. in their retirement saying, here, yeah. how, we're 26 years old at this time? Yeah. You know, just say, hey, here, here's, this is our future, yeah. our financial future here. And here, exactly. 26 year olds with nothing. <laughs> with
2: nothing. Um, <laughs> you know, make a go of it. I guess what that shows to me is their heart, not just to be like, yeah, I want to be financially secure and retire. It wasn't just about the money for them. It, it was about the future of the farming community. I, I think here. that played a,
0: a big role because it, it was mentioned to us. Again, there's neighboring farms that were more than capable of taking and doing an excellent job. Um, but the small town and, and bringing in a young family uh, back to it, you know, keep the schools full and, and uh, yeah. keep, keep things rolling here.
2: Well, if you think about the dynamics there, if instead they would have just sold to neighboring farms, those farms would have gotten bigger and they would have managed it. But then eventually those farms will get to that point where they're going to be passed on or, or merged into something yeah. even bigger. And the bigger they get, the harder it is for a young family to be involved. And then what happens to young people in farming? I mean, that's a big thing that, that keeps coming up is that farmers are aging out. And where are the young farmers? To, to take over I, you're, you're spot on because that i mean i i think we're fortunate
0: to start when we did because everything's just getting further out of reach financially um, and i'm uh, you know if we could have started 10 years sooner it would have been a little easier then but it, it is a ongoing issue it, it, you know we've since you know looking forward we've we've grown and and it makes sense to grow and uh, but you we're, we're taking, we're taking land that someone else could be, you know, starting farming on, but it's, it's kind of the natural process of it. It's, it's, yeah. it's almost unfortunate, but you, you got to get bigger. You got to get more efficient.
2: And, yeah. That yeah. has to do with, you know, economy, <laughs> yeah, you know, economy. markets and prices and all that stuff. Exactly.
0: But, but yeah. we see the results here at our, our communities, you know, we're, we're farming potentially what, four, four maybe four families you know quite a few years ago could have been doing and and so we're seeing that in our school sizes and in yeah. the community and and it's it's the i guess it's the ugly side of that deal but yeah yeah <laughs> but the good a, and the bad you Yeah, know,
2: more efficient is great but fewer people involved yeah which is where we're at the point where it's like one i think this year is 1.4 percent of the american population is growing food for everybody else yeah yep,
0: yep and that that and and, you know we're doing it there's two of us working full time on the farm and and I I don't know what the guess would be on how many people it would have took to farm 20 years ago these acres it's just machinery's gotten so big well and that's a labor pressure too right yeah that that's uh so kind of another funny story with our our labor in a deal is uh so my dad farmed out here and when it got leased out he went and worked at the same case IH dealership as a mechanic there and uh it's it's enjoyable. So I, I hired him after what about five years into farming. We picked up some more acres, a uh, bordering neighbor that uh, was in CRP, and we pulled it out. And at that point, I needed I, you just need another set of hands to do the work. And yeah. so I called Dad and said, Hey, you know, what would you think about coming out and working here full time? And and honestly. It, it didn't take him a whole lot of thought. He, he yeah. went ahead and yeah, I'll, I'll come out there.
2: So now and, your dad is your employee?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, backwards, <laughs> it's you know, backwards from a lot. And it, it's, <laughs> and it's kind of funny, like when a, a, maybe a fertilizer salesman that doesn't know the situation or um, machinery salesman walks in, it's, it's enjoyable to sit back and watch him Cause they just automatically go to my dad <laughs> and start talking to him, assuming he's making the financial decisions here. Yeah, And, uh, he, dad's always pretty good at say, uh, you're, you're talking to the wrong guy here, <laughs> but it is fun, you know, and right. So they assume go, go talk to the guy, the, the, the dad, you know, are you but a good boss to your dad? I think so. I think so. <laughs> it, 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 dad and I've always, always worked well together and yeah. we joke constantly. And, and so it certainly probably wouldn't work in every scenario, but, uh, it uh, you know lots of respect both ways. He he mechanically keeps keeps things going.
2: So I guess I should ask Katie. Yeah, Katie is yes. is he a good boss to his dad? Does uh, yeah. does he uh, does he ever have to chew his dad out? I can't. That would be <laughs> awkward. That, that would be awkward. <laughs>
1: No, No. he does good. I think he does good. Yeah. And his dad's pretty easygoing, which makes it enjoyable to have him around.
2: Let's just stop briefly to thank our our sponsors. Dairy Farmers of Washington are having a big event this month coming up, actually in just a few days. Uh, It's called Whatcom This Way. They're coming up here to the county where I grew up, Whatcom County, and there are several farms included on the tour where it's self-guided. You can go, you can check out the farm, take a wagon ride uh, to tour the farm. And you can also go to Creameries uh, and get tours of how they make different things like ice cream and yogurt and cheese. It's a really cool event, self-guided tour all over the dairy community of Whatcom County. More details at wadairy.org. Again, Washington Dairy Farmers, um, Dairy Farmers of Washington, uh, sponsoring this podcast and putting on this great event that's exactly in line with what we're all about here on Real Food, Real People podcast, taking it one step further to get you in person on Dairy Farms in Washington. Also, MANA Insurance Group. Um, you know, I was just talking with somebody the other day about in- insurance and, well, it's something you don't really think about until things go wrong. Well, is that the way that it should be? That's not what they think at Man Insurance Group. They think, let's think about it ahead of time. Let's make a plan to protect your family's financial future. And that's how you can really uh, do the best possible in case any best thing possible in case anything bad happens uh, or if it doesn't that's the important part and that's what they believe in manna insurance group.com check it out they're based here in whatcom county where i am as well but they also have offices in california and arizona now back to the conversation with josh and katie stewart in harrington washington (gasps) so what's your role then what what kind of involvement do you have with what happens on the farm
1: oh my goodness um I am basically home mom, mm-hmm. homemaker mom. Um, yeah. I focus on the kids and the house. Not that Josh doesn't focus on the kids, but, yeah. you know, I I run him to practices, and he helps out when he's not busy. But, um, yeah, just taking care of the house, the laundry, yeah, the dinners, you know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, that was – we kind of um, – I don't know if it was spoken or unspoken, but just kind of when it all started, you know, it's going to, we knew it was going to take Josh a lot of work, a lot of time yep. um, to get started. So it's like, Katie, a lot of the stuff at home is going to fall on you. And, and I was fine with that. And so we've just made that work where this is my domain, you know, the farm yep. is your domain. We help each other when we need to, you know, like yep. I flag. Like for equipment down the road and yep. he fixes stuff at home when it breaks and you know it's i think i feel like we have a really good team
2: you ever get to drive tractor
1: i i haven't jumped on the tractor yet <laughs> um <laughs>
2: it's coming it's coming yeah. i know
1: uh, when- well how
2: how hilly are your fields you know because last year i was out in the palouse with Dwayne linson on, on his fields and then he took me for a ride i like think after we did the the interview for the podcast <laughs> and some of those side hills you know we were on a 35% grade or something like that and i'm like oh i don't right? know yeah. i've done a lot of tractor driving i don't think i could stomach it
0: yeah we we aren't the palouse but we we do have some pretty good hills our combines got a hill co on it i I, um um, it it was an eye opener because odessa is relatively flat where i grew up farming and and honestly a lot of these hills would be a grass hillside down there because you wouldn't think about farming them um so that was a learning experience because there's a right way to hit a hill and a wrong way yeah. Um, but, uh, no, we're not the plus, but we do we do get some
2: big hills. With that kind of terrain, I'm just thinking about this. Could you grow anything else on that, I, I think, about weed? I don't know what, I mean, you aren't going to grow potatoes on hills like that.
0: Right. No, you know, uh, peas and canola are becoming... Yeah. A, a, certainly been here for a while now and getting a lot more popular we haven't gone that route yet still still looking at it, certainly looking at it. there's a lot of benefits to doing it but uh, it has just been grain but yeah your row crops i i, I won't say never but i i don't see how yeah. it could happen right now
2: well and i just think about the the terrain <laughs> and then it what you do is dry land wheat farming which means you're getting by with no irrigation right right, right.
0: 12 12 inches of rain on average which so, isn't a lot
2: yeah, every drop counts <laughs> yep, yep. for you guys. Then You got to do everything you can to keep as much moisture in the dirt as possible. Correct. Yep. I would imagine. Yep. Just thinking, you know, hey, what else could you grow on that ground? Maybe some other things, but it is limited. And so that's where what you're doing is utilizing that that ground for its best use.
0: Yes. Yep. We're in a summer fell rotation, meaning we, we leave half of it, uh, unproductive. It's not producing anything for a year. We're collecting rainfall because our Mm. rainfall is so low here and banking that rain. So the next year we can grow a, 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 wheat crop off of it. Uh, we do throw spring wheats in once in a while, most, mostly to clean up weeds, uh, downy brome being our, our biggest challenge out here. But for the most part, it's winter wheat. That's, that's the, mostly, uh, economical crop to be growing for us out here right now
2: yeah so you know water issues become a bigger Mm -hmm. thing all the time what are the tricks that you use to i just can't imagine only 12 inches of rain (laughs) and having enough moisture in in the soil to grow something
0: yeah the the trick that's been used a lot around around here for a lot of years is, is building a mulch on the surface with, mm. with uh, tillage, and it works the same as the insulation in your house. If we can build a three-, four-inch mulch, or, or some guys are deeper, uh, um, the drier areas, even drier than us, will go a deeper mulch. But anyway, the mulch just insulates that ground so the heat's not beating. You know, the sun's not beating on it all day and evaporating moisture out of the ground. Um, just trying to save the stuff we store stored up over the year.
2: Um, so that mulch is what dirt, it, fluffy dirt, and- yeah,
0: fluffy dirt. It's got last year's residue still in it. Uh, we, we we do leave as much residue as we can. Uh, it helps hold the soil in place, so it's not washing down the ditches. If we do, you know, once in a while we'll get a freak thunderstorm come through, and and uh, if if it's just straight dirt, it's probably going to in loose. It's going to wash down the down the ditches, which yeah. we don't like seeing. Um, yeah, don't want to so, lose your soil. Right, so. So yeah, there, there's the you, yeah we leave as much um, we call it trash or stubble out in the field as we can in order, but we have gotta get the drill through it the next year. So that that's kind of the trick is, uh, uh, but I was gonna go to the you know no-till is becoming a much larger thing out here, and yeah, uh, I foresee us being there at some point. Yeah. Um, and and that. So do you do like a mulch thing to keep moisture they, in when you no-till, or you just they harvest would, the wheat and then leave it? Yeah, their mulch would be the the all the stuff left from from the year before and it's shading the ground and a lot of things about it make sense so again it's it's a financial burden you need big horsepower and and uh the drills are a lot more money than what we're pulling around right now so yeah um but i i do foresee that either i i you know coming on the farm at some point here
2: so what's the benefit of of trying to go that direction is that a soil health thing
0: certainly soil health um for us and and honestly, probably most guys, we go back to that labor issue. Um, we're going to be able to cover, do more on our own, and not not need you know two three tractors out there rolling and, and an employee on each one of those. Yeah. It's just you know the difficulty of finding guys that that want to do that and for sixty hour days or you know when we're busy or yeah. longer. But uh, so the, the no till certainly helps on the labor side. There's there's soil health. Um, and the drills are, you know, we talk about peas or canola. They've they're got more capabilities of seeding those crops, uh, maybe doing a little better job.
2: So we keep talking about drills, and I guess I take it for granted because my youngest memories, my dad had a. A grain drill that he planted peas with back in western Washington so I, I know what a drill is but a drill is the seeder the thing yes. that you're putting the seed in the ground with and so the difference is the kind of drill that you're using now probably isn't as heavy duty to cut down into the soil because you're working with soil that's been tilled right right?
0: yep yep they're just not capable of getting in and and getting to the depth we need to do to hit that hit that moisture
2: that's down there so the no-till drills are kind of if i if i've seen them correctly are kind of heavier and can cut in yeah and and just place that seed in the untilled soil that's yep that's
0: correct and uh, a lot more technology on them uh reference our our one set of drills are we're built in 1964 and we still got them running and and there's a lot of them out here still yeah but uh you know they they quit building them it's we're kind of a lost area out here in the pacific northwest are they green drills or red drills i got one of each okay (laughs) keeping them politically correct (laughs) (laughs) between the the green tractors and the red tractors still all green still all green tractors and combine
2: yep so as a former red guy, does that bother you? It doesn't. No, not not at all. You weren't too <laughs> <high> <laughs> up on that. Nope. Um as far as going no-till, it sounds like there are some benefits to that, but you're saying it's a cost thing? Because a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, no-till. It's great for soil health. It's better for the environment. Why don't people just do that? Well, you can't. It sounds like you can't just snap your fingers and do it.
0: Right, yeah. You're, you've got a big price tag coming along. And and, um, and then, you know, the other part is just change. We don't see a lot. Of like I said, we're using the same drills from 64. So yeah. th- there's a system that works or it's been working. Um, it's got its issues, but and no-till fixes some of them but with no till's going to come some new issues that yep. we're going to have to figure out too and you know so it's it's exciting but a little scary at the same time to make that change plus plus the price tag that you got to put out there with it but you, there's government programs that will help us get there too um, that help us get, make, make that uh, financial risk a little, little more bearable I guess and 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 if you want to continue to stay in those programs, I, that's why I say, I mean, no-tills, it's the direction they're, they're. I don't want to say pushing us, but, you know, it's the direction they're wanting us to head, so yeah. play ball with them. Yeah. So.
2: So, Katie, you guys have been pretty active on social media. Talk about the stuff that you do there and why you do that. And Steward Farms, and you're talking about being a first-generation farmer and all of that. Um, it looks like it's important to you to be sharing that information.
1: Yeah, we just wanted to, you know, get out information out there. There's a lot of disinformation and uh, around farming. So we just wanted to share our story yeah. um, and, you know, how farmers aren't all bad, you know, yeah. and we are just we we like the lifestyle and everything just wanted to share what we do and um i guess that's the reason behind the social media just letting everybody yeah. know what what yeah what we do the long hours that are put in and yeah. you know the care for the land you know we're not just growing chemicals out there just for fun. Right. It's, it's, you know, price burdens and everything like that. And just, right. just to share that story. Yes.
2: So yeah, I was going to say, well, what's so controversial about growing wheat, you know, that people think you're bad, but yeah, what is it? And you talk about disinformation, what, what kind of disinformation affects you and what you guys do?
1: I, I suppose probably, you know, the chemicals are, mm. are what we constantly see, you know, I guess on yeah. social media, Um, but just, yeah, I suppose that the round roundup is a big dirty word and everything. And it's just like, just sharing that, you know, we're not dousing everything in, in roundup. It it costs a lot of money, especially this year.
2: Yeah. It's gone uh, way up,
1: way up. So no, you, you use it, you know, how you're supposed to use it. And, um, it's yeah, we're not, we're not dousing our wheat in, in roundup for fun. And I mean, basically, that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah. A lot of people will say, oh, wheat, uh, you know, wheat is bad for you now because it's GMO. Oh. <laughs> I've heard a lot. Another would
0: be a false because we, we actually have zero GMO because our, our um, buyers overseas would refuse it. And so a couple of years ago, they uh, it's out there, the, the companies have it, but they found a GMO out in a field and a couple of countries quit buying for us for a while. And we saw the price tank because they didn't know how many other commercial fields this might be found. in. luckily it seem to be one and, and just a limited incident there. But So it's a uh, big deal it, to
2: not have to GMO wheat. Yeah,
0: to, yeah um, from a consumer standpoint, it is. Yeah. It's, certainly there's some benefits if it did make it into our market for drought yeah. tolerance, but you got to produce what the buyer wants and they yeah. don't want GMO right now. So, so there, you know, we see that out there a lot and um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's my understanding on on the commercial side, there is no no GMO weeds uh, produced today.
2: So, what would uh, be non commercial, like
0: animal feed kind of stuff? I, you know, I don't even think you will find it there. I just yeah. I think I think the technology is out there; they're capable. It's just it's got to be um, accepted by the consumer at this point going forward. And and it right. sounds like it's it's not not on the you know not interested in well, it. Well,
2: right and now. and I I think that's what a lot of people think is that GMO weed is widespread and really. It's not from what you're saying. No, I mean, is that not, just a not, Washington thing or is that across the country it's, too? It is, it's my
0: understanding there's there zero, but I, I, I can speak for soft white wheat. We don't right. produce any, any, it wouldn't even be an option. If I wanted to go to the seed dealer and buy some, I, I couldn't find it. So that's interesting. Not, not locally here, anyway. Um, yeah, and, and uh, you know, back to the Roundup. I uh, again on Facebook, social media, you see spraying our wheat with Roundup. Well, no, Roundup kills everything it hits. We're we're yeah. not we're not spraying it on our wheat. It it kill your, your crop. You know, we we do it in a summer fallow rotation. It's it's going on the weeds and, and then directly to the soil if it doesn't hit a weed. And There's yeah. uh, well,
2: and especially if, if your wheat is not GMO. Because it could, like in some other crops, corn for instance, you can spray corn with Roundup because it's been not all corn, but GMO corn has been genetically modified to be resistant to glyphosate. Right? Yes, yep. But that's never the case
0: it would with be, wheat. It'd be really handy if it wasn't wheat
2: for, <laughs> again, that downy brome. But
0: that that's the yeah. pluses to like canola because there is canola, uh, GMO canola that's Roundup ready. Yeah. And it's a great way because that, that's our struggles. Killing a, a downy brome is a grass. It's tough to kill a grass within a grass crop right and so that that's if we again if we start incorporating some of these alternative crops we can we can go after them with different tools yeah so no i think back to social media just you know just trying to you see some of those are wearing the hazmat suits i i promise you we're not we're not out there spraying by hand in a hazmat suit i wear gloves (laughs) and um you know it's, it's nothing i want to get all over me but i it's we're not it's not what you see on facebook
2: yeah. And it I guess if you are on a farm and you see somebody mixing stuff, it does look scary because they're wearing the full PPE and it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but if you've been around it, especially like as long as I have, when I was a kid, they didn't always wear that kind of stuff. They should have been, but really it's... Not- I mean, the chances that that's going to cause a problem are very, very slim. It's just a, a big, big precaution yep. to have all that stuff on.
0: And I think, you know, it's important. We, we all are licensed. We, we had to go to training on how to handle it. We have to, by law, follow the labels. The labels tell us how much to put down, when we can put it down. Um, if it's windy we can't spray. I mean, we, we, we aren't just going out there. And like Kay said, there's a cost to it, too. So we're, yeah. not, we're not putting any more than we absolutely have to put yeah. down
2: to get the job done. So why not organic? What would it take for you to be organic?
0: Well, back to a learning curve, probably on that one. Yeah. Um, I know some guys, not, not real local, but probably within an hour that have done it. They they've, um, And it's been successful. Um, I, I wouldn't say it's, we, weeds would be our challenge. I, I yeah. We'd have to learn. I mean, I'd have to learn a lot how you're going to manage a lot of that. It's it's probably doable. But yeah, I go back, maybe again in our situation, just we're kind of going with the proven system. Yeah. 'Cause we we really probably couldn't afford a, a failure year um,
2: and get yeah. through it. So Yeah, and that's another thing. People oh, why didn't you just go organic? Well, you could be putting everything on the line, rolling the dice, and you could lose. Yes. Yep. So you gotta wait to make that kind of a move until I don't know, you keep trying to build up your bank account probably I would imagine and hope that you don't have too many bad years for a while to save up to be able to even make a transition like that. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, the same same thing with no-till. I just said uh, for us, yeah. I see us
0: going that direction first, making more sense. Um, customers are readily available. You just get to haul that to your elevator here in town. And so some simplicity of that process too, staying, staying conventional.
2: Yeah, so soft white wheat, what does that become? Where your wheat probably a lot of it goes overseas i know yeah. asia is a big market for that
0: i right? think the number is something like 90 percent of our wheat shipped overseas uh, asian markets are big it makes sponge cake make make some noodles um um, and, and and we grow a very high quality wheat out of the Pacific Northwest that's something that's unique to our areas is um, us Australia Canada can grow some too but soft whites uh, uh, um, is the unique part you know most yeah. of the country's hard red so that's the, red the,
2: the stuff that you'd see in your, your average bread your bread yep yeah yep
0: so most of our wheat it gets hauled here most of ours comes straight here to town in Harrington and then it, it goes uh, train down to the river mm. and uh, and then or, or down to portland eventually and it's yeah. shipped shipped overseas there
2: so then it goes on a barge in the river out
0: to portland often yep yep so as you know there's some dam breaching of the dam issues and, yeah. and uh you know i i'm i'm not in on all that but obviously if we lost the ability to ship uh, by barge it, yeah uh, well you'd put a lot of semis on the road and i don't yeah. don't think they'd be happy about that either
2: yeah there's probably some people who would think well you know <sighs> I, I'm always coming back to, you know, all the different things that that system does. And you know, when they're looking at doing that, it's more than one thing that that would affect. And so some people could say, well, you don't need the irrigation water from those dams. That's not it for you, but you need the transportation the, part
0: of it. Yep. The transportation, that's my understanding, there really isn't any more efficient way to get that grain to Portland from here. Like I said, it, the alternative is train or, or truck. And uh, I don't, I don't think they're anywhere near near what the barge can do.
2: So, how does it work with markets and pricing and all that, and what's going on in that world right now? I mean, no. I've heard that things are crazy with the war in Ukraine and stuff.
0: Yeah, there's the wars cause a lot of uncertainty, um, which is increasing the wheat prices, uh, and that's that's great. Um, again, from our perspective, from a right. consumer perspective, I, I think um, you're yet to see that wheat hit the shelf. Um, so that's coming, but we got to offset our fertilizer prices have, have gone up our, our, you know, we talked round up our chemical prices yep. are up uh fuel fuels huge and it's, it's through the roof. Um, so this, this wheat price that we're getting is, is kind of, is necessary uh, for us to
2: be able to, you know, see, see a profit at the end of the year um so some, is it, it does it almost kind of cancel everything out like the higher price is great but then all your extra costs just burn up the extra it's how we're looking at it i mean it's yeah. it's fair you get some friends
0: boy look at that wheat price it's like well you gotta see our expense column too it yeah it, it, we're, it's just more in more out yeah you know? well and that's where
2: <laughs> i mean the the talk now is about inflation you guys are living it you're seeing yeah. both sides of that
0: yep yeah, absolutely yeah it's um, you know, we tried to pre-buy what we could this year. Um, wish we had more fuel storage to get us through the whole year. Uh, this this last winter was a lot cheaper than it is today. But yeah, but uh, no, there's there's a few things we can do to hedge against that. But but some some like chem or uh, excuse me, fertilizer, we're we're just we buy it when we put it in the ground, and so we're at the mercy of whatever that price is
2: yeah. that, that day. Now, some crop farming systems use a lot of manure for their nutrient. Is that something that's possible here, or oh. it, it, do you? I mean, are there dairy farms or other, you know, animal sources that would, is that, what, how does that
0: work? <laughs> I, I, you know, again, not real familiar in the area. I, I know it's being done, so I'd say it's possible, but I, I think the transportation costs of getting that waste to us might be where it's prohibitive
2: to, yeah. to find truck in a idea, long way. Yeah burn a lot of diesel and yep so
0: not something we're seeing around here yeah not
2: yet anyway yeah fascinating all the things (laughs) that go into this yeah what's it like for your family is it stressful (laughs)
1: um i i mean there are times where it gets a little like when yeah when you see the prices go up so high like okay ooh, i hope you know i hope we can pay the pay for this but yeah again the wheat price helps offset that um um, I would say we don't we don't stress too much. I don't know our like in the family side of things.
0: Yeah, I you know I we do a lot of planning, uh, a lot of sitting down in the office, going over numbers, knowing where we're at. Josh is a spreadsheet uh, I'm guy, a spreadsheet yeah. nerd. Yeah, nice. and so um, I guess. I mean, a lot of things are thrown at us that you can't predict, but yeah. we, we try to be prepared for them. Um, and so they don't come up as surprises as much anyway. There's still a few out there, but I think, you know, we we try to manage the unknown as best we can. Like I said, buying the fuel price. We didn't know if we were buying at the high this winter. You know, hindsight, right. it right. was a great choice. And like I say, I wish we had more storage to buy more, but at the time it, it's the most I've ever paid for fuel this winter. So <laughs> I hope I'm not locking the high in right now. And same
2: thing peop- people are thinking um, with home buying right now. Yeah. Yes. It's yep, yep. like should I buy now? Interest rates are going up, but they may just keep on going up for the next right. uh, how many years? Yes. Yep. So
0: what do you do? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, but no, I I mean it's a it's a stressful job. I, I wouldn't say it's not, but I, I think just going in at knowing knowing the obstacles and understanding them it, it's yeah. it's helped. But it still throws you throws your curveballs every once in a while and. Um, you know, hindsight, it, it's kind of what makes it fun, though, because it's not the same routine every day. Um, yeah. It's not fun when they're expensive curveballs, but... <laughs> but uh but it does it keeps it keeps it exciting it's always changing and, and working through that stuff so
2: so your busy season in, when do you plant in what march or april we're,
0: so because most of ours is all winter we we do it in the fall okay yep we we seed um oh usually around september early early september if we can this year is a little different because we were in the drought and mm-hmm. and uh, there was no moisture to seed into so we waited waited about another month and it mm-hmm. finally started raining and we could get the crops in busy time uh, harvest you know you know, harvest is yeah. a, a real busy time. Um. You know, you, even the springtime can get busy, um, and then winters are a kind of joke. That's when we get back to forty-hour weeks. So, um, <laughs>
2: how know. many
0: hour weeks is it when it's busy? season? oh boy, I don't know. What, what, harvest is usually seven till nine o'clock um, for three three and a half weeks, and yeah. So, but you know, that's the fun part. The kids come ride with. You. Otherwise, you wouldn't see them too much to those times. And seating's yeah. almost the same, maybe a little shorter hours, but but they they enjoy it. They come out and ride on the tractor. Katie will come bring dinner out once in a while. Yeah. And and uh, it's enjoyable it's different but it's, it's enjoyable it's um i don't know it's always fun with them
2: so how many kids do you have
1: we have three
2: three kiddos three kids, yeah how old
1: um 11 8 and 3
2: do they love the farming scene or are they into it
1: yeah oh yeah yeah they really enjoy it um the big equipment and being out in the wide open spaces yes very fun.
2: So when it comes time, do you think uh, any of them are going to want to carry on the farm, or will you, will you want them? I, I talk with some farmers who are like, "No, I'm going to tell my kids, no, don't get into this. This is too stressful, too much work, too much uncertainty."
0: Yeah. No, our son, he's he's the 11 uh, year old. Yeah. He's you know today interested, but I do I tell him all the time, you you go do what you want to do. This was yeah. your mom's and my dream. This is what we wanted. Um, would be really neat to see him carry it on if it's what he wanted to do, but um, and, and like I said, today it is, but he's a, he's 11, so I, I encourage him to go, go do something different for you know, go summer jobs, may do something. I, I'd like the help here, but learn what else is out there, and, and then when you come back, at least you know this is what you wanted to do. Um, although our daughters tease him and we tease them all the time, our, our three year old might want to take over the farm, and uh, sometimes yeah, that's the way yeah, it works, yep, yep, yeah, yeah. and so. So, but he, he doesn't he doesn't like that he he, he wants to be the boss so <laughs> and uh, no and it, it's our hope hopefully we're in a spot we can step back because I, I think it's important these young gener- younger oh the kids coming home that they they take over you know when if they're capable of it it'd be my hope he goes maybe to school and learns and and comes home and has all the tools he needs and I think maybe because we got an early start in this that hopefully we're ready to step back and let him have more of that responsibility you do yeah. see sometimes that that older generation holds on and, and and doesn't give that mm-hmm. the younger generation that chance and that those management decisions and and so again if we feel he's capable we'd like to like to be able to back out and let him you know I'll drive tractor for him and and he can deal with all that once yeah. he's older yeah so.
2: exactly just like <laughs> your dad does yeah
0: yeah yep. that's that's I, I think uh, a hoping hope a benefit because by the time he's ready I, I think well we might be we might be done or you know we're ready to step back a little bit and and let him take over would be the hope. I'll bet your dad is pretty proud of you. I, I think so. I think they are. I, I as a matter of fact, I told him we were going to talk to you today about this, and he, he he told me he goes, "Boy, my my." He goes, "He's real nervous about when we wanted to do this, you know." And and he goes, "I got to remember one thing." He said, "Is he said, Dad, we don't have anything to lose. I mean, we we I, I don't we might have a couple thousand dollars to our name at the time." I said, "We we got nowhere to go but up from here." Yeah. So so what what do we have to lose here? And, and he. Because I, I gave that a lot of thought, and uh, you're right. This is the time to do it, and yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's it's worked out worked out really well, and it's a, turned out to be a good decision.
2: Katie, so. what about your
1: folks? My folks were. They are basically, you know, whatever you whatever you want to do, whatever makes, you know, makes you guys happy, go for it. There was never really any reservations yeah. from them. Yeah. Because they
2: grew up around it too. Oh, they, yeah. They yeah. They They come live, from farming families.
1: Yeah. Living out on, in the country. My mom grew up in, in Harrington and yep. after moving out there, she's like, I will never go back to living in town. You know, she <laughs> loves, just loves that. And I loved growing up out there. So, I mean, it's yeah. perfect for what I envisioned in my future and now yeah. living it. So, it's yeah. yeah, just all the way around. Yes, thumbs up.
2: <laughs> Producing food for people to eat. Yes. As it's, not just a job, but as a lifestyle, as I can tell from you guys describing what you do and the time that you put into it, and how much you have on the line. I mean, you, oh, your family's future is on the line. Yep. Every year, I would imagine. You know, always having to make sure you're doing things right. You yeah. know, it's not just like you can be like, oh yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> right. Right. No, because you're invested. So, in we're it.
0: We're invested, and and you know, lo- looking forward, our, our big thing now is we we still got to figure out how to buy the land. You know, to make sure that. There is a. We, we talk a lot about legacy. We, we yeah. especially if Jack, our son, is interested in come back, or one of the girls want to come back, or in our perfect world, they all three would find a way to come back here yeah. and, and make it work. Yeah. I Meaning more, you know, picking up more ground or whatever we got to do. But uh, owning that land is the only thing that keeps us a staple here because um, at the end of every lease, you know, we we could be done, <laughs> right? If if, uh, if it, you know landlords chose that for us, so. Yeah. It would be nice, nice to find some ground and, and still make you know. it's just it feels like oh, we we talk about it, it's just you get to the next mountain and you see that next mountain ahead of us. So that that's certainly the next one for us is trying to find some ground and then again it seems like everything we do is financially. How how do
2: you do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, but that that's I think what's next on the radar. Well, good luck. <laughs> and thanks for having me here and and sharing all these personal details about what you guys have put into all this. This is really cool.
0: Oh thank you. Thank you uh, for reaching out to us.
1: This is the real Food real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food.